What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 54 of the Size Up by National Fire Radio, because what you do off the job matters. And it's funny because I'm, I'm talking to my guest here offline a little bit or before I hit the record button on my magical recording computer and system that we have that's not really fancy or anything like that. But uh, we were talking about uh, kind of our backgrounds and not like our backgrounds in life, but what we have seated behind us. Uh, when we record our things, podcasts or whatever it is. And, you know, we both kind of said this is just one wall of our office. And if we did a 360 camera, you would see a whole bunch of other stuff back there. Um, and he brought up an interesting point. So Kenny Mitchell from Operation Yellow Tape, welcome to the size up. But can you go with that point you were just saying about the one buddy, you don't have to say his name, but the person you worked with? Yeah. Hey, man, thanks for having me. I'm excited as can be. It's been fun talking to you on the phone over the last couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, uh, I said that if you and I did a 360 of, of this room in your room, man, there's fire stuff everywhere. And a buddy of mine, he was a firefighter for a very, very long time at that point in his career. And I went over to his house one time, um, when I finally got to the point where I was working for him, nothing said he worked for the fire service, not a coffee cup, not a sticker, uh, brother, I'm talking nothing. And I haven't looked at him and I said, man, you don't have anything in here that 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 represents that you were in the fire service. And he said, no, I sure don't. And we kind of never really talked about it again. And uh, but I'm telling you, I'm not making that story up. Uh, nothing in the garage, T-shirts, nothing. But see, I don't think that's a bad thing either, though, in a way. Right. And I think that's what you're saying, too. Right. It's kind of your choice. And look like. A lot of this is fire-related stuff. You know, like I told you before, my, my father uh, is responsible for most of the things. Actually, you see behind me uh, in this picture, most of them are not even mine. My father's, my uncle's helmet, the call box my father got, those axes were given to my dad when he retired. Um, but I, I don't think it really matters because, too, if you spin the camera, at least in my room, you're going to see other things like pictures of Anthony Bourdain and a Blues Brothers picture and just things that kind of represent my life. And I think it matters how you choose. It's like we say, because what you do off the job matters, what you choose to do off the job. And if you want to bring that home with you, how you kind of celebrate. Uh, it is kind of sad. I don't want to say it's sad, but in a way, I don't have a lot of pictures of me at work around this room. I have a few with guys that I work with from different events, um, but I do that very rarely uh, at work is take pictures of us. You know, like I know there's a big thing online, like always take the picture after the fire. You never know what's going to happen. I just want to go back to the firehouse after the fire and take my crap off. Yeah. If I'm kind of like that, like if, if I panned over this direction right here, some of the, some of the best times in my life and which I think helped my mental health and this, in this job in general is, I coached my daughter's softball team for 14 years. Um, she's eight. She's 18 now in college. Um, well, for 14 years of her life, I coached her team. I, I was a third base coach. And over there are just her as a baby and then five years old and six years old. And, and it's a whole her catching. I was a catcher in college and she became a catcher. And that is a huge part of, of who I am is, is off the job was man, how much I just loved coaching those girls and they became older and to watch them succeed. But yeah, man, one whole wall over there is nothing to do with firefighting either. And it's the most important thing to me over there, which that's kind of kind of strange, you know? <laughs> Isn't it though one of those things too, and, and you say this about our houses, I guess is a good way, like, and even our firehouses, like I love being able to walk around my firehouse and look at some things on the wall and my personal house, I should say. And they bring me right back to that moment like you just said with your daughter in those and having that representing me wherever I am, it's such an important part of it. Like the wall that I have over there, like I was telling you, is a, a lot of uh, like my travels and five, five, five things that I, I was can still to this day consider myself so fortunate to be able to do. And I look at them and it brings me right back to that, you know, when I was there. For sure, man, I walk in this office and I look to my left and I instantly see her you know, as a baby or not a baby, she was six when she started, but yeah, you're, you're so right. It takes you right there. I can, I can smell the, the dirt. I can, I can see the cleats. Uh, I can hear the cleats going across the concrete and everything. So it's very special. So yeah, man. It's funny. This is actually brings me back to a story of my son during the pandemic and uh, like distance learning that the kids always did. And at one point, one of his little buddies at the time, like was like, Finn, your house 
it has so much color in it. Every room <laughs> you're in, every day you're in a different room, it's a different color. Now, mind you, these are like uh, fourth or fifth grade boys. I don't remember which year this happened. Maybe the fifth grade boy year. He's like, my house is just brown. It's so boring. <laughs> Yeah. It, it makes you think like how you kind of fill your life and, and things that fulfill you. You know, most of the decorations around here, Mrs. Pip is uh, runs the show on, let's just say. And I kind of nod my head and agree. And I hang the pictures, except for a, uh, I shouldn't say, I pick a lot of it, too. But it's such a fulfilling part of my life that goes beyond what it is we both do for a living. For sure, man. Great point. And I also, too, to speak to your buddy, to go back to your buddy, like I, I, I had a lot of those for a while, like just the stupid fire tchotchkes you get. Like I try to tell people that are like, hey, you know, they, they hit me up on social media and they'll be like, my brother is becoming a firefighter and I want to get him a present. What should I get him? And I'm like, mm -hmm. A travel <laughs> bag, like things that are really useful, not a statue of a fireman with a really <laughs> beard carrying out a baby through a broken window that nobody. Yeah, that, man, you don't need that. I probably yeah, do, do not get him a eye fight with you fear shirt. Don't do it. <laughs> I always recommend that first. <laughs> but it's crazy because people gravitate to that stuff. I guess it's easy and 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 they think they don't know the important parts of the things that we probably really need. Like uh, like we get promoted, get a thing of pens. You know what I yeah. mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's kind of funny you say that because I'm one year, I'm heading towards year 21. Well, if you look at some of the gifts I got year one through six man it's that type of crap those shirts and fear not the you know the red devil and now it is those things it's nice new pillows for the station or it's it, it's this for the office and it's pens for the lieutenant and it's it's a, a, a real pen but back then it was like t-shirts that said you know for real you know the the red devil i fight it and i'm Man, I look at that stuff and I'm like, wow. And I was all about it too. Like, yeah, I'm wearing this tomorrow. Oh, sure. <laughs> Everybody should be at some point. And and even the people that were like, no, I was never like that. And there yeah, are so oh. few of them. You were secretly like that, no matter what. In one way, maybe you didn't wear the shirt, but you definitely saw it and were like, oh, is that really what's yeah. going on I, here? I can honestly say I have never wore the I fear what you fight shirt. I didn't. I don't think I wore that one either. Never. I could be wrong though. But again, everybody's going to say that now. Like, you're in, like, oh, you're, like I'm not going to be like, <laughs> I wore the fight with you. Even I, I never listened to Ice Ice Baby either. <laughs> yeah, I still listen to Ice Ice Baby. Like, there's no. Me too. Uh, oh, that's great, man. But, you know, it's wow. these kind of conversations that, that I'm excited to get to have with folks on the size up. But, you know, you're, you're, you have a great mission behind you and you have a great story behind you. And before we get too deep into just us being, you know, two guys chatting like we did before when we first met on the phone, you know, tell the folks out there a little bit more about you, your kind of backstory and what got you to Operation Yellow Tape, because I think your mission and some of the things that I've pulled off the website and your social media really resonate with me and, and will resonate with a lot of the listeners. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't want to talk too long. So just cut me when I get to a point where I'm talking too much, but I to stop talking. I've been there though. I've been there. My elevator pitch is like, <laughs> it's like a really big store, big, big building on the elevator. Yeah. Um, well, I went to college, you know, no, normal childhood, went to school, became a graphic designer and, uh, got a bachelor's degree in graphic design, imaging technology, um, landed me in Norfolk, Virginia. And uh, in Norfolk, Virginia, I worked for their newspaper, the Virginia Pilot newspaper. And uh, September 11th happened. And I'm not, I'm not one of those fifth, sixth, seventh generation firefighters. Never, never thought about being a firefighter before that. Really, um, had some an uncle who was a police officer and cousins and stuff, but never really thought about it. Well, on that Tuesday, when when we had 3,000 people murdered, um, I something happened, like it happened to so many other people, and. Uh, to, to make a very long story short, I started applying in fire station, fire departments all over the, the place. Um, landed a job in Virginia Beach Fire, spent several years there, and now I'm where I am now. I've been here for going on 17, so I'm on my 21st year. Um, in 2013, suffered a pretty major um, unexpected life uh, knockdown with the death of my, my, my daughter's mother. Um, and I found myself in this 10 years on the job, I started to, I think it was the beginning of some, 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 I think it was the beginning of, uh, of some struggles with my mental health that I wasn't talking about to anybody. 
I, uh, I, I go through that time period, lose a few more friends here and there, continue doing the job. And I always say it was the beginning uh, of my mental health uh, decline. N nothing major, but things I should have paid attention to that I talk on now. Fast forward, 2020 gets here. I go out to uh, lunch with a very good friend of mine. We have lunch. We sit for four or five hours. Um, within 16 days, I get a phone call from him that's missed. No big deal. We missed plenty of phone calls. On the 17th day while I'm on duty, I get a phone call that he had taken his life. Uh, that suicide lives on my wrist, lives in my heart. And I decided right then and there, um, it was time to start really addressing uh, some of the um, mental, emotional, spiritual, personal, professional issues that were going on in my life and, and talking about it more because obviously him and I did not talk because we sat beside each other for five hours and didn't say a word. I went south, he went north, and uh, Operation Yellow Tape was literally born on a tear-stained napkin right here at one of his funeral services. And it's uh, it's grown since then, since 20, 2021 is when I launched it. And basically, that is the birth of Operation Yellow Tape, unfortunately, was his passing. It's a lot more involved than that, but uh, I, I got so tired of everybody writing hearts and prayers and prayer hands and all this stuff and printing stickers. And man, let's do something tangible. Um, let, let's come out of the darkness as, a, as an actual lieutenant I am and, and talk about some of the struggles I have because it's not... It's not have it's not always positively looked upon for someone to come up, come forward and say they're having troubles. And I think that's one of the things that really I found so interesting about reading your backstory and, and just seeing what you're posting about is that, you know, you said that you were struggling in silence for those years since that death. And then you had that time with your buddy and that next day changed you. And that next day was going to change you no matter what. Like it changed so many other people in his life and in your life. And a lot of times when that happens, all we do is we think about that person. But you were able to really reflect on yourself for a minute and your not role in his actions, but just your role in his story and his role in your story as well. Yeah. I had two two directions to go. It, it was to continue down the road of 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 hypervigilance, which I still struggle with, and we all do, um, some, some, some thoughts, uh, some, some irritability, just the signs and symptoms of a post-traumatic stress injury that we get along the way with some of this stuff. For me, it was more stuff on the outside of the yellow tape, I call, I call it, that have, have affected my career um, or in my mind and emotionally and, and mentally and physically outside the yellow tape has hurt me more than really inside. And I speak on that. So yeah, I decided to jump on, jump pick myself up. I said, I, I can't fall to the ground. Um, I'm, I'm watching his family fall to the ground. I'm watching my brothers and sisters who are fall to the ground. I, I've got to get up and, and somehow be the best parts of him I love the most. Be, live now. He's not here anymore. And, and do the things that he can no longer do. It's going to be really hard. It's going to bring uh, some light in my direction that I probably don't really want as far as mental health stigma goes. But here I am, and I wouldn't change anything except bringing him back, but I wouldn't change the direction that I went with this for a minute. And, and that's such a great thing, again, because you started looking inward to yourself, right? And if he did that, and he had these struggles, and he struggled in silence, you know, I think in one of the things I read that you wrote, like, you agree, you couldn't talk to him about your problems, and he couldn't talk to you about his problems. But why, when you were both struggling, right? Yeah, I, I, I can go back to that day off Interstate 95, and on the tip of my tongue, I wanted to talk to him a little bit about some of the things that I was struggling with. I just couldn't get it out. You know, we uh, we tiptoed around some things. He was dealing with some 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 deaths of pediatric stuff. Um, I was dealing with what I was dealing with, but I, I don't know, you know, and that's why we always say, you know, people like to say, if you're not a firefighter, I, I can't talk to you. If you're not a police officer, I just don't, I don't understand you. Well, it's one of the biggest mistakes that we make. Uh, you've got to have friends outside this job. You've got to have hobbies outside this job because him and I proved it. it um, I, I don't know why things aren't reversed and he's not sitting here and I didn't go. Uh, however, no, we couldn't talk. I don't understand it for the life of me. 
and I never will. It's a huge, uh, I look back on it and, and, and really wish I would have opened up. Do I think it would have changed things? I don't think so. All the research that I've done over the three years for those who have survived taking their life from their families, the, the folks who reached out to Operation Yellow Tape who have attempted to take their life and where they say they were mentally when they made that decision, it, it helps me to know that I think he had set that path and it was nothing that I could have done uh, to to reverse what happened. Um, I, I blamed myself for a very long time until I, I had several survivors reach out to me and say, man, let me tell you where your mind goes when you finally think you're going to end your pain. And that's where I found some relief after his death with, with all that. It goes along with losing a very good friend 17 days after meeting him for lunch. Your mind plays tricks on you. Well, that too is one of those things that again with with your name you know at first i'm like operation yellow tape like i don't get it right i had to read in a little more about it i had to learn a little bit more about it and it makes so much more sense because it's so easy to say as an emergency responder hey you know it's because of what i see at work because of what i see at work this is because of this is because this is because of the sleep deprivation from work this is from pediatric beds too much or anything like but so much of it is what's brought in from the outside that affects us as well. Yes. And, and, and you know, and I know, operating inside the yellow tape, it, it's tough. You, you see things, you hear things, you smell things, you do things that are very, very hard. Being a first responder, being a police officer, emergency services, ECC, it's tough. But on the outside of the yellow tape, man, there's where the divorces are the child custody battles, the illnesses, watching your, your parents age and pass away, friends pass away, bankruptcy problems, spiritual problems, personal, physical, finance, you, you, you name it, it's on the outside of the yellow tape. And I told myself when I created this business that, you know, Kenny, it wasn't so much what happened on the inside yellow tape that affected you. You had outside yellow tape things you couldn't talk to Tom about. You had outside yellow tape things you couldn't talk to your closest friends about. I'd sit in back of the ambulance and completely therapist somebody to the hospital, and I couldn't take my own advice. I mean, I'm giving people resources. I'm giving people proactive practices. I'm giving people this and get better sleep. Take them into the ER, I jump up in the ambulance, and I'm the same guy not taking my own advice. So it's the outside of the yellow tape you really have to think, focus on because that that's life. You know, raising children, j just co-parenting, just so many things happen. And as first responders, we, we live in this world where everything has to be, everything in our life is an emergency. No, nobody calls 911 because they're not in an emergency. When the phone rings, the chief needs you somewhere. When the tones go off, you have to go. And I think we come into our personal life and everything becomes a big giant emergency from the flat tire to the birthday party you have to get to. And we have to find a way to, to cool our jets and to realize, hey man, you know, everything is not an emergency. It needs to be fixed right now. The relationship, you got to talk about it, the job, this, that, and the other. But I feel like after 20 years of just constant emergencies, from everything from the phone ringing to dings and rings and bings, that in our personal lives, we think everything is an emergency, which makes us angry when we can't solve it immediately, which makes us anger quick, quickly and fight with folks quicker and get mad at ourselves because we couldn't get the grass cut on Saturday because we had a baseball game. Everything's not an emergency. And I had to take a step back and put that on me because my whole life was burning down in an emergency off the job. Outside the yellow tape, man, everything, everything was an emergency to me. Well, and, and with that too is the hard part is we have to be the one to solve the problem, right? Because we're that person. That's what we do. They call 911 and we come and we solve their problem. It might not always be the perfect way to solve their problem, but we definitely solve part of their problem or get someone to solve their problem. And we adapt that in our own personal life as well, right? And I feel like when, when we do that in our personal life, that it really uh, is what's eating us. You know, like you said, like a phone ringing. Listen, I haven't dispatched an ambulance for, oh God, a lot of years now, right? Let's say 10 years. And when the phone is ringing and it's not picked up in three rings, I'm like, this is a problem. We didn't pick up the phone in three rings. Yes. And it's it's not, not to keep talking about it, but in Operation Yellow Tape, I filter a lot of questions from people and 
and I go speak at events and they want to talk about, hey, talk a little bit about how everything is an emergency in our lives. I don't even bring it up, but if you think about it, everything becomes an emergency and everything becomes like like life or death, even if it's not like the garage needing to be cleaned up, there's different things. And I was doing that to myself too, because you've spent 24 hours um, having to be on time to the call, having to be perfect on the call, having to get the IV started on the first time. You've had to be perfect for 24 hours. And it, it's high criticism if you're not, and you have to be good. Um, you have to be tactical and you have to be smart and you have to be good as a team. And, and, and it's high pressure. And then sometimes outside the yellow tape, when you fail at something, a relationship, a job, a, a, a part-time business, you can't fix your lawnmower, you freaking lose it, man. I've seen guys kick buckets across the garage because they can't get their weed eater started, you know, this guy, you know, but yet uh, 24 hours, 12 hours before that, I'm working with my team uh, doing CPR on a six-year-old and everything is flowing just fine and we're doing the best we can and we, we get back to the station and we talk through it and we work through it and I get home and I, I kick a I kick a hole in, in a wall because I can't start my, my lawnmower. It, it's it's incredible how everything becomes an emergency. And if you can't fix it right now for some people, they have issues. Well, too, I think that's a really important part about how we live offside the job, right? And I feel like that's your mission and what it is you're doing to make attempt to make the job better. I, I am. I'm I'm trying to bring I've had two events multiple speaking engagements. I'm trying to, to make the first responder realize that you have a lot more in common with people than you think who don't do this job. The normal people, the normal, the other people. Right. You have a lot more in common with folks who don't wear the turnout gear, who, who don't wear the badge, who don't carry a weapon, who, who don't answer the phone and say, where's your emergency? You have a lot more in common with those folks. And sometimes those folks have really cool hobbies that you don't even know about because your friends don't do those hobbies. And I'm trying to bring a, a diverse group of people together at these events and let you let them know that from the first responder to the non-first responder, we all have those problems. We all have issues that come up. We all have traumas in our life. Uh, grief is grief. And together, we're just better for one. And as the first responder, man, you just got to have resources and hobbies. I call it help. It's the help acronym. We need one more acronym, right? So I developed help. What do you got? What do you got? Help. You know, it, it's, it's, it's help, educate, launch, and people. And I go into it really deep during my presentations, but I feel I use that for myself. If, if you keep that in mind going through this career, whether you're just starting off or you're meeting yourself where you are or you're 25 years in, there's certain things that you have to do. But importantly, Operation Yellow Tape is trying to, de to develop this culture, this community of, of like-minded and folks from all types of occupations and all types of situations together to talk about mental health and stepping out of the darkness and into the light and it being okay uh, to speak about it. And it's so hard, too, because so many people just talk about the job, right? And that's an important thing. We need that there. But they never want to reveal their other head. I just kind of had a little mic issue. Let's see, is that better now? All right, maybe that was it. So they don't want to reveal this other hand that they have. They don't want to real, reveal their real life self. Can you hear me? I got you. Oh, okay, just making sure, because for some reason I'm like cutting out a little bit in my headphones. I heard a little bit cut out. I kind of hopefully Sebi does that. Let me see if maybe it's the headphones. One more, one more adjustment here, and then we'll keep talking. If you pay attention on YouTube, you'll see that I've kind of changed the studio around a little bit, the studio meeting, this little area in my office that I record these things. In. So hopefully that makes it a little bit better. But I'm, I'm getting Mike, so I think we're okay. Um, okay. But that's it, right? You don't want to, they don't want to reveal their other side. They want to go in there, and if I'm teaching a forced blunt class, I'm only going to talk about forced blunt tree, forced blunt tree, forced blunt tree, or search, 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 or move the nozzle, move the nozzle. What do you do when you're not doing this? Because then the folks that are in the class look at them as being this like invincible expert kind of force, and they need to be just like them. Right. Yeah. I, I do that a lot when I instruct. I, I'm, I'm a big instructor with May Day. That's one of my favorite. That's my jams, man, is teaching a May Day firefighter to the recruits. And I tell you, before we even start, I like to just talk to them. You know, I don't jump right into uh, 
the lecture or the practical. I, I talked to him about the, the coaching of my daughter. I talked to him about a life outside the fire service. Now, would would the six year Kenny uh, instruct that way? I don't know. Um, the no. sixteen year to twenty year no. Kenny uh, does, and I, I think it's so important to let these new uh, men and women know that there's so much more. Yes, be, be be all about this job, but you also have to have stuff outside this job. I learned it the hard way, man. I learned it the hard way that I put all of my uh, focus into the fire service. My only friends were firefighters. My only conversation was firefighting. I only cared about the job. Everybody, if you do anything else, you don't do anything worth the shit. It's only it, it it's it's firefighting or it's nothing. And I made a huge mistake with that. Uh, I don't know why I got that way. Now, I wasn't that rude about it, but my mind was always telling me, oh, you work for there, the construction company? Hmm, great. You know, i got nothing in common with you. And we make a horrible mistake when we do that for our mental health and for our physical health, for our hobbies, for everything. We make a huge mistake, and people hate me for it. I get a lot of hate on social media because people claim I don't love the fire service enough. Um, I got 21 years. I've been in some of the most ruthless calls that Virginia Beach ever had. Uh, I've been some. I've been in the mix of a lot of bad things. I we love this, right? We we and I'm right here with you. We feel like we have to say that, right? Like folks like you and I that maybe talk about some of the other things. We feel like we have to tell everybody, like I've been through some some shit. Yeah, you know I mean? like I've been through it. I've been. To, I go to fires. Like yeah, I made a comment on a friend of mine's post just about. The, the nozzle and no, the hose line selection, let's say. And I wasn't against it. I was just like, there could be an easier way. Dude, you would think I've never been to a fire before in my life. The behavior For sure. This. And I'm like, all right, y'all saw it. They saw it differently than me. But I didn't say they were wrong. I, I just was like, there's another way, maybe. Yeah, I, I've taken, and it's because of if what I, it's, it's because what I went through. I, I've taken the mental health approach to fire service as far as my speaking and teaching and instructing and coaching goes. Um, but you want to go talk about forcible entry and mayday, I can roll there too. But I get a lot of hate because I'm not a lot of hate. Some, the normal stuff. Yeah. It's not yeah, the, the majority of anything. The, the normal, the normal stuff, you know, man, you need to talk a bit more about firefighting and you need to talk more about this, this, that. Well, you know what? In the fire service, I don't know, you know, in my fire, in my fire department here, we run 53, 52,000 calls a year. We've got 22 firehouses. We cover 446 square miles. We've got nearly 400,000 um, uh, people in our community. We can fight a fire with the best of them. And we train for fighting fire um, all day long. Now, most of our calls, 80, 82, 6, 7, I don't know, percent are EMS calls. But what we don't train on enough in any fire department is our mental health. As far as developing coping mechanisms and and talking to newer folks more about what you may experience and how if doing CPR on somebody is going to bother you, then you're going to have to find coping mechanisms because you're going to run that call again. Um, in the fire service, the calls that hurt you the most, you're going to continue to run those calls. If seeing people hurt and injured or or, or pediatrics, you've got to find coping mechanisms or not be in the profession. Because I, I like to say the example of, you know, sometimes there's, a, I mean, if you're at work and there's a shooting, you know, and you're working in a corporate America, um, the, the chance that it happening to you again, hopefully is slim to none. So maybe therapy will be really successful for you because you were involved in a shooting in an office and may, that may never happen to you again. However, in the fire service, a person trapped upside down in a vehicle, a drowning of a child, uh, 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 they're on my wall right there, you know, losing a brother, uh, line duty death. Um, it's going to happen to you again and, it's, and again. So what coping me mechanisms can you lean into? Uh, what can you do to keep yourself healthy for the fifth year, the 10th year, the 15th year, the 20th year? What, what can you do to get to the end? So that's what's pushing me as well is, yeah, I love this profession. I, I, I like to fight fire and to do the job, but some, we, we need to put more into the mental health side of this job as well. And, and it's such a huge change because now, you know, I'm, oh, next next week it'll be 20 years, I guess, officially as a career firefighter and close to 30 since I started this whole, you know, this, this whole service thing. And uh, it's one of those things that in the beginning, there was like nothing like that I recall. And I'm not talking like we're not talking 50, 60 years ago. We're talking 
20 years ago, 30 years ago. And and 30 years ago, there was less than there was 20 years ago. 20 years ago, it was like, we're going to have a meeting after the call, and here's a number, call them if you need help. Whereas you go to today, and you have folks like you there with, with your services. There's so many more services. And the fact that we keep talking about it, and we keep giving new coping mechanisms, I have to hope, and I think you have to hope, that people are actually listening. Uh, and I think they are. Um, I, I don't know if if we'll see this big giant turn in in, in our, my career, your career. You're a twenty year guy. I'm twenty one years on a job. I, I won't I won't stop talking about mental health even when I retire from the fire service. I, I do see a turn. People are listening. You know, Operation Yellow Tape. I, I I get messages from chiefs of departments asking me, "Hey man, I'm thinking about coming out on the stage." at the uh, conference and talking about some of my struggles. What do you think about that? Like, holy crap, man, you're the chief of your department in whatever state. So that's big time. You know, that, that that's huge because a lot of times in the fire service and the military, the leaders don't like to talk much about their struggles, man. They're worried about talking about their struggles. And that's been a thing in the fire service for years. You don't talk about missing the hydrant. You don't talk about, uh, you don't talk about you needed 200 foot of hose, but you only pulled 150. You don't talk about that stuff. You let it go. Well, no, man. People learn from their mistakes. Same thing with mental health. I, I, and I'm I'm pointing at me because in 2013, when that death happened of her mother, I, I had all the opportunity in the world to seek some kind of a help, and I didn't. It was a different time in 2013. Um, it's a, it, 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 I didn't you know what – You weren't even thinking about it as this is a, a job-related death. This was just – no. It, it was a horrible death. We've all experienced them at some point in our lives, but you're not thinking like, maybe I need to go get some grief counseling. Right. I, I, I It didn't even cross my mind. I, I have a journal uh, that I kept during that time. And when I go back and read through it, sometimes it's astonishing of where I was with my, my thinking, like I was refusing to, to acknowledge some of the stuff that was going on with the sleep deprivation, the, the irritability, the anger, just I was refusing to acknowledge it. And really, you know, I had aspirations of being an officer and, and a lieutenant and maybe even higher. And I I thought to myself, if I dare come out and say that I'm struggling and I find myself punching my steering wheel or or I'm having trouble, I'm having emotional breakdowns here and there, I'm never going to get promoted. Who's going to want to crawl down a smoky hallway with me if I come forward and say, I have hypervigilance and I'm sad. And so I was, I wrote that stuff. It's, it's in that journal right there. And you know, but no, uh, pe people weren't thinking about them. But to answer your question, I, I think you were seeing more people step up. I know Operation Yellow Tape, I, I, I'm getting hundreds of, of, of emails, hundreds of requests a month, people just telling their story. And uh, I think we are seeing people um, step up a lot more. And, and too, just the amount, again, of, of ways we communicate with each other. You know, my wife was on a few episodes back and we talked about her job in palliative care and the loss of my mother. And she deals with a lot of different grief like that. And she now just met someone and we're kind of involved. I guess we, we have a trial of their program that she may start using for her patients. But I get text messages now because Tracy filled out a form with this company about grieving and grieving the loss of my mother. And in theory, it should be, I guess it would be me that would be grieving the loss of my mother. Um, but I'm Tracy's like person, let's say. So she gets the actual one, I get the person one. And not every day, but every couple of days, they send us this nice text about supporting each other. And I just read it and I'm like, this is great. It was the same with hospice. You know, hospice called myself and my father uh, two weeks after my mom passed away, a month, three months, six months, all the way up until the year on the day, just to check in with us. And that really helped, you know, and who would have thought in my mind, I would have been like, I don't need this, you know, that six-year guy like you've compared to yourself. But it's these things that happen outside of the yellow tape that can really affect us and really change our lives. It, it is. And we are well-equipped to handle outside the yellow tape problems. It's just, we don't realize that we are. I mean, 20 years of experience of handling stressful situations, 20 years with yourself of learning how to get along at the firehouse, 20 years of people folding the towels wrong, 40 years of people cooking. and, and So we are equipped to handle outside the yellow tape problems with relationships, with finances, with whatever it may come, with grief and with losing loved ones. And 
aging parents and children, whatever it might be. We're well, well equipped because we're so damn good at the job and serving the public. We give them more than they ask for when we drop them off at the hospital or, or put their fire out and, and cover their items with a tarp. So we're so prepared. We're so prepared for the outside of yellow tape knockdowns, but we don't think we are because it's it, it, sometimes it's an emergency we can't immediately fix. Sometimes it's a grief we can't immediately lean into. Sometimes it, it, it is a it's a rolled over car in our, in, in our mind that we can't fix right now, neither can our team, and we let it become a debacle. And it destroys us mentally, physically, emotionally from the inside out. And it's just my belief, nothing more, no more than my opinions and some of the studies I've done with those reaching out to me, but we're well equipped to handle the outside yellow tape. But most of the times, start thinking about this in your own circle of friends. What has destroyed them mostly it's been outside the yellow tape stuff relationships so some drinking stuff some financial stuff it's it's marriage it's child custody it's all these things i've already talked about but that stuff's happening it's going to continue to happen uh, no matter what yeah we're not going to change that we're not going to change that so i'm going to go with this though we're going to we're going to flip this a little bit on you not a little bit because i feel like you're the expert on this way more than i am like uh I host a show about things you do off the job and things, but I feel like you, with all the people you've met and spoken to with Operation Yellow Tape, what do you think are some of the key things people could be doing outside of the job just to help them cope, keep them okay, is a good way to put it, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I, there's so many things. You know, one, we've already talked about, one is just realizing that there's more to your life than just this job. It, you have to have friends outside this job. You know, go to conferences that aren't a, about the fire service. You know, start being when, honest. When you go, don't gravitate to the firefighter that's there. Right. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm dead. I'm dead serious. You know, I tell people, I tell people all the time. You know, when I, when I'm coaching or after a presentation, someone wants to shake my hand and talk. Hey, man, what do you suggest? The questions you just asked. I'm like, hey, man, do you like antiques? And they're like, no. Well, the next time you're driving home from work. I want you to stop at an antique store. Just walk around. Just look at stuff. You have no idea what you may see in there that you like. That's not fire service, not emergency services related. So to answer your question, it's that. It's just, it's just getting outside of, of the of the of the identity that all you are as a fireman, all you are as a policeman, as a military, a SEAL, all those things. You're so much more. You know, you're you're so much more than just just this job. And then being really honest with yourself. I tell people that all the time. The number one thing you have to do, and it's part of the, the L in my help, is the launch. Once you start noticing something, once you think you're not, um, you're isolating, you're becoming a little bit too aggravated, you're doing some things, get help. I don't know if that help is a is a is a personal trainer. I don't know if it's a, a counselor. I don't know if it's a marriage. I don't know what it is. But if you sit back on it, it's not going to get any better. So someone's story can become your survival guide. Lean into some people, talk to them. Uh, that's what we need to do more of. And of course, more time outside of the job, more time off. Take a day off here and there. Don't work a Sunday. Have a full weekend. You know, Take those days off. It's okay if you miss something. We just have that, we think we're going to miss the big one. The big one's coming. You know, no matter what, you're going to get it. But take care of your, man, the goal of all of this is to be able to hang that helmet on a nail in the garage and walk by it and look at that helmet and to be happy and to be satisfied and to know you did your absolute best with everything that you had to do in this profession, not look at that helmet and bring you to your knees. I know men right now who can't talk about the job because they cry because they didn't take care of themselves physically, mentally, and emotionally, spiritually, socially, any of those things. The goal was look at that helmet and be proud. Not everybody can be a firefighter. It's a hard job. I'm proud. You're proud. I'm glad I'm I'm glad I was able to do this job. Uh, I went through two fire academies. So the, the goal was to be proud and look at that helmet. And you have to take care of yourself along the way. You know, that means physically, like you lean into, I try to be as physical as I can, but also mentally. You know, we just don't spend enough time focusing on our mental health and really being honest with ourselves. Because it's so freaking hard, man. <laughs> like, I try to tell people that. And, you know, being being dubbed as the fitness guy because of, of what I did with 555, I'm like, fitness is hard, bro. Like, I do this. Yeah. I challenge myself every time. Mental health and wellness is hard no matter who you are. It, it, it is. It's really, really hard 
to talk about, especially as first responders, we've already talked about some of the reasons why, but it's really, really hard to talk about your feelings in this job because people do, even in 2024, people do, when you mentioned, you mentioned having some issues, people will automatically be like, oh, you know, I hope they're okay. I hope they don't have an episode while driving the ambulance. Oof, I, I hope they're going to be okay. You know, that's still there. And of course it's going to be there. I, we have a job where when you and I go to a fire together, I, I'm going to have to pull you out. You know, I, I have to be clear and precise and strong and, and have courage and have to be thinking clearly. And a, a thing that a person told me one time with our personnel tape, he said, man, the stigma is so bad because people think that I may flip out at this is a guy that would talk to me. I may flip out at a fire. I may rip my mask off. I may take this um this ambulance into a tree. He's like, brother, the last thing I want to do is hurt my people, my crews. He said, man, when I'm on a call, he goes, I feel as clear and as precise and as strong as ever. It's when I'm home and alone. It's when I'm off the call. I said, the last thing I want to do is crawl into a fire with my brother and take my mask off or run into a tree. But the stigma is that's what I want to do because I'm suffering from a mental wellness problem. I'm going to run this ambulance into a tree. He says, man, that's the last thing I want to do. So Kenny, how can you help us shift that? I'm like, wow, that's a big question. That's a, that's, that's a heavy lift because that's true. You don't know how many times I hear people say, I'm not naming, yeah, every time, you know, he'll, he'll take the damn ambulance into a tree. You never know. Oh, he'll probably take his mask off inside the building. You know, he's got problems. He's, he's gone crazy. You know, it's there and it's hard. You, you nailed it. It's really hard to go in your garage when it's two degrees and lift weights, just like mental health, admitting that you may need some help. No, I mean, the days that I'm at work are my best, some of the best times I've ever had is in that building. You know, and running calls and, and doing things. I love every minute of it. The 72 hours I have off, that's where I have everything else to pile on. But you need those mm-hmm. health habits. And and look, today is one of those days, man. It is six degrees here in New Jersey. And I was out in the garage and I'm like seven minutes into my workout and I took a deep breath out and I saw my own breath. I'm like, this sucks. Like, why am I here? What am I freaking doing to myself? But I know why I'm there and I know why I need to be there because when I'm not there, I feel differently. And it's those outside the job things that really matter that you can do. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've, I've talked about it a little bit in the past. Like I just started a new Lego project with my son today. He builds the Lego. I put the lights on it, the aftermarket lights. And I went through like three steps and I'm like, oh, I'm going to shoot myself. But I need this because this frustration is keeping my mind going right, is going to keep me moving forward, is going to give me that break that I need for something outside of the yellow tape. And and I think we've said it, I should like go back and listen to the episode because I feel like we've said outside the yellow tape like 40 times, but it's <laughs> just such an easy thing for what I'm talking about here. It makes so much sense to me. And I'm glad it does because, and I, I, I it's what I wanted. I, I wanted people to, I wanted people to look at that Operation Yellow Tape and to wonder, what does that mean? And then the backside, you know, there are too many of us that ever feel alone. But I wanted people to wonder, what does that mean? So I can open them right up to what it means is operating inside the yellow tape is difficult, but the outside. So, yeah, that's where I focus a lot of my time because, again, a lot of the first responders, their problems start, I feel, like mine in 13, start with some outside yellow tape type of stuff. But then when you mix in the, the heavy call load at work and the things that we're going through and, you know, p- people think that we just go to work and, and just sit around and shoot pool and run calls. And a part of my, my help acronym is educate. You've got to educate your family and friends on what you do. Now, they're going to tell you, well, you're a fireman, you fight fire. Well, no, I also do four in-services a year. I also have to do CPR research. I have continuing education, ALS and BLS stuff. We have, have uh, target solutions, telestaff, EDPs as supervisors. There's so much stuff we have to do besides just fighting fire and taking blood pressures. There's just there is a there is a call or two of paperwork after every single call. There's a logbook you have to keep. So educate your family. So when you come home, when you say, "You tired? I am. How many calls you run? Well, two. 
Well, why are you, you know, there's guys and gals don't even want to talk about if they're tired or not. They reach out, they reach out upper shell tape and they say, you know, I don't even want to tell my family that I got sleep all night because I didn't run any calls, but I don't sleep well at the station. So I came home exhausted anyway. So talk to your family about that. The educate part of my health acronym is so important, not just on putting the wet stuff on the red stuff, but what all do you do at your fire department job? There's more than just that. There's so much more. There's meal prepping, there's going to the store, cutting up fucking cucumbers. I mean, you name it. Sorry about that. You name it, we have to do it. I mean, we cut our grass, we maintenance the station, we paint the station, we take out the trash, we, we do everything. That's why it's called a house. And some people don't know that. My grandmother died in 2018 thinking all I did was shoot pool and hang out. You know, she didn't know. And a lot of folks don't know. So educate your family and friends on that part of the job, too. And that, that might help them as well, as long with as long with some of the other stuff about educate with educate them on that, the, the mental health stuff that you could face. But by all means, folks, if you listen to this right now and you're about to become a firefighter, you are one. Talk to your family about what you do that doesn't have anything to do with fighting the fire. Because there's so much that you do in this job that's time consuming, that's stressful, taking tests, recertifications, that they have no idea that you do. Trust me, in 2023, some of the top questions I got for OIT was, my family has no idea that I have to do paperwork. Well, it's time to it's time to educate them on that. Yeah, I mean, again, it's a huge part of it. I'm still lost when people are like, what do you mean you pay for your own meals? Yes. I'm like, I just thought that was part of your job to I'm like, how does that work? I'm like, no, we, we, we all pay for our own meal. There's no meal allowance. Yeah, we are still asked in this county of 400,000 people, 52,000 three calls a year, we are still asked sometimes, why are y'all in the grocery store? You know, uh, what are y'all doing driving around? People don't understand that some, most of the time, a lot of the time, that engine or medic, just because the lights aren't on doesn't mean it's not going to a call. A lot of the calls we go on, there are no lights and sirens. You know, they're, they're just not. It's not that priority. Um, we have to get back from the call. So you got to drive. I get a lot of people asking, you know, with fuel prices the way they are. What do you got? People don't understand the, the job, and maybe your family doesn't. So you have to have district training. New people have to learn how to drive. But we still get that stuff, too. You're like, why are y'all in the store so much? Well, we have to to buy meals. Well, we don't provide that. No, every man or woman puts in between eight and 10 bucks here in this county, sometimes $12, depending on what station you're at. $12 a day. I know stations doing 12, we're 24 on 48 off. I know stations doing $12 a day. That's our, that's us. And then we put in for the kitty, which is ketchup and mustards and salt. And, you know, so that's $14 a month. People don't, people don't know that. That education and too, it's one of those things. Like, you know, let, let folks know what's going on here. They want to know, especially in our society now. Everybody wants to know everything. We want to know everything. So it's just one more thing that's only going to help them to explain to your friends what it is you do at work that isn't just you know, the stuff they see on TV. Right. And, and, also explain, and also explain to your family and your friends the educate part of that acronym. And I know I made another acronym, which is wonderful for the fire service. It's what we need. At least it's help. I do got a funny story about that, about that help acronym. A preacher man told me, but I don't know if you want to hear it or not. Um, <laughs> But uh, you want to hear it real quick? I think it's real quick, I guess. I mean, you already, you already built it up, so it better not. Yeah, well, anyway, the, the HELP acronym is H-E-L-P. And the preacher man said, hey, man, I love that that HELP, that HELP, educate, launch, and people. But Kenny, I think you need faith in there somewhere. I'm like, hmm, that's a good idea. Where should I put it? He goes, well, I don't know, um, but faith needs to be first. I said, okay, so you want me to add the, the, the F in front of the, the H? He goes, I think that sounds perfect. I said, I think it would be great, wouldn't it? Hey, everybody, my name is Lieutenant Kenny Mitchell, and we're going to talk about F-Help today. And he's like, never mind. <laughs> anyway, At least he got the joke. At least he got it. Yeah, but he, he was like, oh, yeah, F-Help. That wouldn't sound too good, would it? But the, the educate part, too, man, is talk, talk to your family about what the job could do to you, about sleep deprivation, about hypervigilance, about sadness, about feeling heavy, and about irritability, all the buzzwords we hear all day long. Talk to them about some of those things, you know, why you may need a second when you come in the door, why you may need to not rush in the door. There were so many times, man, where I would do trade time, where I would work until like 6 p.m. and then take 6.30 to 8.30 to go coach my daughter's softball team. Well, there were a couple of times, man, where I was literally on full arrest calls an hour before I was coaching with her. So that that transition between my brain of 
running that running that horrific call, getting to her game, getting back to the fire station, com completing my tour of 24 hours, and then getting home the next day. Just explain to your family how sometimes the job can be tough and, and what you may experience. And maybe they'll research some things. I mean, this job changes you. Uh, it, it changes you. And I do think in 25 years from now, they're going to realize that sleep deprivation caused so much of the illness and the injury and communication caused so much of the breakups and the relationships and the marriages and their friendships, the communication part of this job, because you don't have to tell your family that all the gory details, but you've got to talk to them a little bit about what you do. You have to. You do. Take it from sure. me, a guy who didn't. They're, they're going to be the ones that are there to help you. And, you know, I, I've told this story a few times now on episodes, but when I started working on the chief's car, you know, like acting up, my wife noticed a complete change in me shift after because I was not sleeping again. And she's like, what's up? And I'm like, oh, I barely slept last night. Cause I hate this. And I'm like, it's like a new guy again. And she's like, well, take a nap, you idiot. And so I did. And I felt better. And we learned very rapidly. But she knew there was a difference. And she knew there was a difference in the job that I was doing from wearing, being on the, the truck to being on the car. And that was a big part, you know, that she was educated in by me educating her as to what it is we do and the differences. And she was able to really help me, you know, just weather through that storm. And that's all it was. It was just a small storm. You know, it wasn't yeah. a hurricane or a tornado. And, and we've kind of taken some proactive steps here in my fire department. We've developed what's called a family readiness group, which means... For about three hours before the recruits start the academy, the, the the firefighter and their family, whoever it might be, mom, dad, cousin, uncle, aunt, friend, the family comes in. And it's about a three-hour presentation where they eat and different presenters talk about the job. And part of it is about just that. There's target solutions. There's daily training. This is going to be a hard profession. They're going to come home tired. And there's a mental health aspect of it, too. So. We've gotten proactive in my fire department with doing that. It's called the Family Readiness Group. It's been very successful. That's a good way to get in front of them, too, because when you go to the academy to talk to the firefighter about these things, they don't go home and tell their, their, their husband or wife about it. They go home and talk about repelling and forcing doors and fighting fire. They don't go, well, guess what? A guy came by today and was talking about resources for EAP and for my, my 457 plan. They don't talk about that. So we decided, you know what? We'll get them here on our time. So we call the family readiness group. They come in, man, where they eat, break bread, different chiefs talk, different firefighters talk, different wives talk, different husbands of firefighter wives, of firefighter females talk. So we big diverse group and it's uh it goes really well. And I love it. Yeah, I mean for sure. That that's just one of those things that again, it's it's outside the yellow tape, right? It's yes. what you do off the job matters. Like it, it it's it's unreal to me how when we launched the relaunched the podcast, you know, we didn't we had a direction. We wanted to talk about things outside of the job. We didn't have the slogan. And as it grew, it all started to make sense. And it's the same as what you just said now. That makes sense. Why wouldn't we do that for our family members? You know, not just show them the cool lights and sirens and helmets and rappelling and, you know, things you see on, on family day that academies have. Why not give them some more tools that are going to help them with their own lives and with their, their significant other's lives? Yeah, exactly. I mean, your significant other may be working at Capital One. He or she may be at Allstate, but I can promise you they have stress and they have deadlines and they're going to have grief too when they lose loved ones and parents and family. So just because they're not a first responder doesn't mean your loved one's life and, and their job isn't important. And they may learn something from you and you may learn something from them. So it's so easy at dinner table to sit and talk about your day all day because your day is cool because you have lights and sirens and run down the road real fast. But Man, lean into that spouse, that wife, that girlfriend, boyfriend, again, cousin, aunt, uncle, nephew. Ask them what they do. Uh, go see them at work. You know, do different things, man. There's more to there's more to this life uh, than just being a first responder, emergency services. Again, I love it. You love it. Uh, but to be healthy and to be successful and to hang that helmet on the nail at the end, um, you got to get beyond um, the inside and out to the yellow tape. And that's where you're going to be successful. I love it, buddy, man. And that is, as we're getting close to this hour end that I like to keep things at, I feel like that is the message that is you know, perfect for the end. Because I feel like that that's exactly what we've been talking about this whole time. And you just summed it up really well in like a two-minute little speech there. Thank you. Ah, no worries. It's, it's, you're very good at your job because now my mind is already all over the place. Like, what can we do more? How can we help? How can we do more? Where can everybody find you? Though? That's always the, the first question I get. 
Yeah, you can find me at like you can find a hundred billion people. I'm on Instagram at Kenny Mitchell Fire. You can give me a follow there. I'd appreciate it. Um, I also have a website. It's KennyMitchellJr.com. You can find me there. And if you want to um, reach out, that that's where you can find me. I have a newsletter that, that goes out um, just about every other Monday. So if you go to KennyMitchellJr.com, sign up for my newsletter. It just takes uh, your name and a good email. It's it's some free resources. It's some information that's going on. It's things happening in the communities and across the country. Um, sometimes it's a little burst of motivation. So you can find me there as well. Also have a podcast out myself. Um, I appreciate y'all take podcasts. It isn't doesn't have fifty episodes. I only got seven right now. Um, but Man, that, everybody grows. Everybody starts a, right. Yeah, there's a place you can find me and um, and please you can email me at uh, Operation Yellow Tape at gmail .com. But most importantly, go to my website, get in touch with me, um, and uh, I, I I have a I have hundreds of messages a month. I check every single one of them. Some are very very. Uh, heartfelt and and some are just folks getting me to their organization to speak and to present. It's what I love to do. I've got a pretty active February coming up with that. So I'm easy to find. Uh, you will hear back from me. And Kenny is very dynamic in his videos too. So be ready for a, a, a nice wake up call. If you catch him, catch him on his Instagram stories early in the morning, <laughs> wake it up. I'm like, I'm up. Kenny got me off. He just yelled at me. He just started. Yeah, yeah. I like every minute of it, man. I, I do appreciate it. And I love what you're doing out there. And I appreciate I think it. it's just such a great message again, to, to put this out there and to really make people think about it. So you, know, you got to keep on keeping on. And I'm, I'm hoping we can work together on some things because it's definitely, we're both on the same path, but it's just a different way we're going about it. So I think it's, it's really cool. For sure. I'm honored to be here, man. I, I appreciate the time. So let's knock them out, man. The size of 10. Are you ready? It's, it's, someday yeah, ready. people are going to be afraid of this, I feel like. I don't know why, but I don't know why I want yeah. them to be afraid. But then someday I'm going to do something with these. <laughs> <laughs> or people may just jump to the end and just listen to this part of the podcast. And I'm okay with that, too. Like, maybe I'll just start putting out the time. Like, if you want to hear the, the 10 answers, go right to here. Jump to this clip. True. All right, man. Here we go. So it's going to be Beach or Mountains? Beach. Night out or night in? Night in. A good book or a good movie? A movie. All right, here's the big one. Cross-country road trip. Who's your celebrity co-pilot? Who's my celebrity co-pilot? Yeah. Cross -country. Are they alive? Are they got to be alive? Oh, alive or dead. George Washington. Oh, okay. All right, I'll go with that. That's a first. No one's gone with George Washington, So, but you're a Virginia guy, so there you go. I guess there's a connection there, right? Yeah, that that, and I can't imagine sitting beside somebody that had so much going on, so many odds against them, and just the vision he must have had to, uh, yeah, I'd love to roll with that dude and smoke a cigar. <laughs> it is pretty amazing, like, because, so my son's really into theater, and I'm, Hamilton is a big, I'm all the time in my house, and just that end of his story, and then seeing so many other things, such a great story of, of just interesting person is a good way to put it. So, all right, uh, where are we at? Do you make your bed every day? I do every single day. Give me a book that everybody should read. I would say um, Jason Redman's Overcome. Can I give you two? Sure. Um, Jimmy Hatch's Touching the Dragon is a must as well. I've heard of Jason Redman. I have not heard of what's the next one? Uh, Jimmy Hatch. He's a former SEAL out of uh, Norfolk, Virginia, but it's called Touching the Dragon. It's one of the first books I ever read. Um, it is well worth the read as far as uh, grasping the mental health push and what it takes to get off of uh, some of those those issues we find ourselves in. So yeah, Jimmy Hatch, Touching the Dragon, of course, my man, um, Jason Redman, uh, Overcome is, is phenomenal book. I, I give Overcome- We didn't even talk about your work with Jason Redman. So we're gonna have to have him on and you on again, just to, to kind of go into that work too. We didn't even get into that today. So we'll we get into that next time. Here. That'll be part two. Uh, where am I at? Highway or back roads? Back roads. A uh, bucket list place you want to visit. Bucket place, bucket list place I want to visit. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind checking out Italy. It's beautiful there. Love it. It's a motherland. Yeah, it's yeah. Mm -hmm. I've been twice. Wow. Yeah. Uh, all right. So where are we at? Football or football? <laughs> football. Perfect. All right. Last <laughs> one, man. The best piece of advice you could give to your younger self. The best piece of advice I would give to my younger self would be like, Kenny Mitchell, you're only 12 years old, brother. You have to show yourself a lot of grace as you get older. Love it, man. Love it. And 
dealing with a, a 13 year old boy now. That's something that I'm going to tell him when he gets home from school. So yes, I'm not going to be Kenny Mitchell. Show yourself, show yourself some grace. You're going to have failures. You're going to have knockdowns, but show yourself some grace. I love it, brother, man. I can't thank you for joining me for this hour today, man. It's been great. We're definitely getting a part two with, with Jason Redman in here. Yeah, man, let's do it. I think it'd be a good one to, to get him on and get you guys talking together and just, you know, talking about this, what we do off the job matters, right? Yeah, I'll, I'd love to have him come on your show, man. He needs to come on here. Awesome, brother. Listen, man, I want to thank you again for spending some time with me. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Um, as always, I want to thank Jeremy and Seb for all their support of the size up here by National Fire Radio. And until next time, remember, what you do off the job matters. National Fire Radio.